0: It's the Crack House Podcast with Mike and Muskie.
1: Right, folks. What's up? 9 p.m. Sunday night. It is the Crackhouse Podcast. My name is Michael Sullivan. Um, Chris was just here, and now there's a picture of him shaking hands with Mariana Rivera. So I don't know what's going on, but uh, yeah, he's back again. Okay, uh, joining me as always, Chris Musky Muscolino. What's up? dude
0: what's up what's up big mike you got me okay
1: yeah now i got you now i got you loud loud and clear i see darth vader i see i see all these things i know you're coming from a very remote uh location today
0: we are coming from the deep south crackheads we are in north carolina charlotte north carolina on vacation taking care of some family functions for my niece this week what's good everybody how was your week
1: Oh good Down in North Kakalak So far so good this week Um, I found out uh, I passed the audition process at Broadway Comedy Club Uh, Give out dates later Um, But I will be there for the month of June I'll be doing like six shows there Um, I actually got like six or seven shows in the month of June So June is actually going to be a very busy month
0: You got world famous comics on this uh, podcast, folks. You're getting in on the ground floor of superstar comedians being uh, groomed to uh, take over the comedy world.
1: Yeah, it's more like the sub basement of comedy. It's not even the ground floor, (laughs) but uh, yeah, everything went well. Um, Like I said, uh, I'll I'll give out the dates later. Um, So what are you doing down there? What do you got your niece's graduation, right?
0: Yeah, just you know, touching on your thing for a second. So, you know, it's funny, Mike. I'm I've been down here all week, right? We're getting ready for her uh, her graduation. So, my niece became a nurse, a certified registered nurse. And um, you know, we don't get a chance to really come down here often, you know, especially with COVID. So, we, you know, me and my wife came down here with the kids. We drove down here, and uh, you know, we're she, we're she's got my wife's got a very small family, so it was very important for us to be here for her. So, um, it's a whole function tomorrow, and. and in Charlotte, um, we took Monday to drive down, we'll drive down uh, back up on Monday, you know, following. But this week, you know, it's just like, you know, during the downtime. like I've watched a lot of stuff and just going, you know, back to your comedy stuff for a second, um, I was watching old episodes of the uh, the Chappelle show. And I watched the show where I guess he was roaming around the streets of New York City and asking, you know, lewd questions about, you know, women's bosoms and stuff, right? And lo and behold, in the background, you'll never guess what comedian showed up. Take a wild guess.
1: In the background?
0: in, In the background. He was doing interviews in New York City and, you know, he was in character and stuff. And he was, oh, you know, asking stupid questions about the size of women's breasts and stuff. And in the background, if I say the name of the show the guy was on, it'll give it away. But... You know, granted, this is almost twenty years ago. At this point, you know, well before you know the guy really you know came to fame and became a household name. But I'll give you, I'll give you a crack or two before I give you, you know, uh, I give you some
1: hints. Now, was he on the show at all?
0: No, not that I remember, and it took me by completely surprise. So that's why when I say you know I make I make a joke, I'm not really joking, folks. I mean, Mike is really moving rapidly in the comedy world. And that's how it starts. You know, you get, you know, a break here, break there. And all of a sudden you're on TV. So, I mean, you know, we're doing this podcast and Mike's got his thing going, you know, I'm more in the music world and, you know, in the insurance world. So, you know, different paths, but, you know, Mike is onto something here, you know, and and I really, you know, I I know I've talked about it a couple of times, definitely going to support him and come to his shows and, uh, you guys might be witnessing, you know, the, you know, the breakthrough, you know, the, on a ground level of, of someone who eventually makes it really big You know, you never know, but the reason I bring it up, not so much in the sense that Michael's my lifelong friend and stuff. And I hope he, I hope he does it. But uh, the reality of it is, was I was watching the Chappelle show and you have like guys like Paul Mooney that were on it. And, you know, obviously other comedians, you know, time to time, you've had these blacks, like the roots, you know, that would show up on the show. And I saw this guy in the background and he was like, he was holding a microphone. I'm gonna give it away in a second or two. But oh
1: you're not gonna say Bill Barr, are you? No. See, no. I know he was on the show. He was um, on the
0: show. Neil and you know Brennan
1: what, helped create the show background. Right. I, mm. I'll
0: give you the I give you the show that was so he was doing like these, these dopey interviews, right? He was making, you know, he's in character, and in the background, he's like. So I had the correspondent from Fear Factor in the background, which I probably should have just gave it away for you.
1: Uh Joe Rogan though was still a name at that Ro- point.
0: I I didn't know him at that point. Like he had hair and everything. I no
1: never- no, because you know what it was, Chris. They did that bit down the. Joe Rogan was still famous from Fear Factor. Fear Factor was already out. That's what it was. That's right. Because Chapelle is like O uh, two. Right, o two, o three, o four, something it, like
0: that. I had, I had to say it was that's right. It was like oh, yeah, is that right.
1: Because uh, by that time, Rogan, like Rogan, was already a stand up. I think he said, from what I've heard him say it, I think he said he got into stand up like '89, and he was big in. Uh, he started out in Boston, and I think he worked his way down to New York, then eventually L.A., and then by like '95, '90. 90, six i think he got a, oh 94 maybe he got on that news radio show did news radio uh then that went off the air and then he got into fear factor so like so i mean I, he was still like just joe rogan a comic he's not what we know today i mean like but like exactly i said what it was but like i said too uh was it bill burr was on that show he was one of the writers and performers on Chappelle show too. He's in a whole bunch of sketches. He was a nobody back then. Uh, Donnell Rawlings, Ashley Larry was a performer back then. I mean, it, it is one of those shows you, you, you realize now it's 20 years old. And you did see like certain comedians, like in their infant stage, you know?
0: I mean, obviously I'm a fan of the show. I watched it back in the day. And, uh, you know, I realized there were, there were, there were a number of cameos, which I guess, you know, we'll talk about cameos and movies in a little while. But, you know, I was watching this and I, I realized Paul Mooney was on it, you know, uh, you know, who is hysterical. And he was like in the old Pee Wee Herman uh, TV show that we used to watch right on WHD and HBO back in the day.
1: Paul Mooney.
0: Wasn't he Jombie or was that somebody else?
1: No, man. dude. Jombie was a white guy. OK. Paul, that- Paul Mooney OK, quick history on Paul. Paul Mooney was Richard Pryor's one of Richard Pryor's best writers. And he Riders. was one of his writers.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, he was big in, uh he basically I think he started in New York and made his way to L- another guy. Stayed in L.A. Uh, very tight with Pryor. Uh, I think he just passed away last year or two years ago. He was like, he was I didn't recent. realize. Yeah, he was like 80 years old. No, Jombie was a white dude. I think he was a writer. Jombie, okay. I'll tell you who the the actor who played him, I have no idea. But without makeup, okay. Remember the Seinfeld episode where Kramer is doing the walk? He's got to do the gay walk. Remember the two people that freak out on him about wearing the ribbon? Remember the guy who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? (laughs) The gay street tops. Yeah the sh- the white dude is Jambi, the Spanish dude. I have no idea. He's been in a bunch of stuff, too. But the white dude, that's the guy who played Jambi. I don't know his name.
0: The guy, the guy with glasses.
1: Yeah. He doesn't want to wear Jombie. the ribbon. That's Jambi.
0: Who who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? And then they steal. What is it? They steal
1: the armor, too. in the they, one they episode. they the armor. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, they're only in what, two episodes? Those two guys. They were, the, but,
0: uh, they were they were in the soup Nazi episode.
1: Yeah, the soup Nazi episode and then the AIDS walk episode. So. <laughs> right, but yeah, right, that's right, the right. dude who played Zombie. Speaking of like Pee Wee Herman, I think isn't that supposed to be a, a documentary coming out about him soon on HBO? I thought
0: there was a documentary, Mike, or I thought there was like um, or a was mis- not a movie, a movie or something coming out. A no, mini I series think I something. think he,
1: I think he's getting like the docu treatment on HBO, which I've been waiting to see. I mean, what is it ne- next week? The Carlin one, I think, comes out, but I've been waiting right. too for this. Uh, they were supposed to do one for Pee Wee Herman. Now, I don't know if it got held up with COVID or anything like that, but th- that's that's a great one, man. I mean, that guy, if he does what he did today, no one cares. Like he doesn't get nobody, canceled. Nobody. Because he, he he doesn't hurt anyone, you know. Nobody gives a shit. It's so man. Wow, it was so bizarre, man. That guy, I would love to know, in in like real time, money, how much he lost. I mean, that show was so his kids show. That morning show was so popular. You know, the movies. His mo- the second movie was it. Big Top Pee Wee wasn't that great, but he had. This. But he had that kids show. He was just. I mean, that was like a license to print money, basically.
0: It was. Let me ask you this: You know, do you think, do you think if the Michael if Michael Jackson was still alive and that scandal came out instead of 1994, 2022, like you said, do you think that would still? No,
1: happen? he touched kids, man. I that's get it. Completely di- no, man. That's completely different.
0: I, I know <laughs> it is. I'm. I'm just saying. I think you made a great point because I think that, as heinous as it is, I think that there's an element of society that. Is
1: cool with that stuff? No, no, I don't. I I don't see that at all, man. No way. He touched kids. It wasn't like, you know, the the girl. Let's just say it was a girl, and she was like, say, seventeen. You know, in some states, in New York State, seventeen is the age of consent. Right. And he was in New York, and the girl was like sixteen and three quarters. You know, it wasn't something like that. Where some people go, oh well, she was almost there, or something like that. And people, dude, he he was having. I mean, you watch that that one documentary on HBO. These kids are seven, you know, eight, nine, ten wow. years old. Man, I, I there's I no, there's no way because I, I haven't seen. Because think about it this way: H- has there been anyone where people are going turn the other cheek? I mean, there's always that 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 section of society that can say things like like with him or Bill Cosby, or Harvey Weinstein, or Kevin Spacey, where people say things like, well, you have to separate the art from the artist, and you can still appreciate it, but he's Look, still, I'm not, he is still canceled, I'm not, he's still canceled.
0: I think he's still canceled too, I just think that, I think you brought up a good point. Pee Wee obviously didn't do, There's nowhere. there's no comparison in terms of what they did. One guy jerked off in a theater, And the other guy, like you said, is pretty much, you know, caught red handed, so to speak, you know, with with little kids. You know, it's a lot of documented evidence, a lot of, you know, people that stepped up throughout the years and accused them of it. What I'm saying is that I think the stuff that both of these guys did, even though one is significantly much worse than what the other guy did, like like you mentioned, I don't think there's any comparison. I just think in 2022, pedophilia, homosexuality, all this stuff that was really taboo 30 years ago. You know, I'm not saying that people are cool with it, any of it, you know, and obviously they're cool with some segments of it a lot more than they were 30 years ago. And I think that you're probably right. I, I, you know, I still think he gets canceled, but I, I tend to think that the way society has gone over the last five, 10 years, that he may have had a shot, both of them, definitely Pee Wee, And I think Jackson, just based on his popularity in the sense, I think he could have possibly survived it as well, you know, Um, I think it's a pretty interesting take. Um, Uh Just going back to the ship, going back to the Chappelle thing, though, for a second. Like I said, I saw I went through like that whole series this week, you know, at night, I just went through like five, six episodes a night. And I'm like, I, I just I didn't realize that was Joe Rogan. You know, I was like, he had hair. You know, and in all fairness, Mike, 20 years ago, I didn't know who the hell Joe Rogan was. You know, I mean, I wasn't. Well,
1: I watched. I mean, did you ever watch news radio?
0: I watched it. I saw I used to watch Fear Factory here and there, but I didn't know that guy from a hole in the wall. You know, uh,
1: uh yeah, I kind of knew who he was. I mean, I knew who he was. I didn't know him so much from stand up. I just knew him more from uh news radio. And then once yeah, like news I- radio went off, his career kind of like was in this limbo thing and then Fear Factor, I mean I've heard him say in interviews like Fear Factor came along. he's like, all right, I'm gonna get a paycheck for the next 13 weeks and then this show's gonna get canceled. Right. And it goes the next thing I know, I got a job for seven years. So and I think Fear Factor yeah. was that show he said that like made him comfortable for the rest of his life where he said like oh, I'm so if are, like, like if his podcast didn't come along, he still would have, he wouldn't have been a hundred million dollars. Okay. But he still would have had enough money off of just that show where he would have been okay. And he could have just went back to probably doing stand up. You know, would he have been as big as he is now where he sells out arenas and some places where he goes probably who knows, but I mean,
0: right. I just, it took me off. It took me off guard. And at that time, you know, in terms of what I was watching, I was watching American Idol. Obviously at that point in time, I was watching, uh, I'll tell you what I was watching back then. I was watching Jackass, you know, the, you know, the, the series more than I was watching Fear Factor. And obviously I watched the Chappelle show and I just saw him in, you know, on the streets of New York city with Chappelle. And I'm like, Holy shit, that's Joe Rogan. Yeah. And I'll be honest, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't know who the hell he was. Fear Factor or not. I didn't hear of him. I didn't know of him. You know, I'll be completely honest, you know, call me uh socially illiterate, but anyways, I just thought it was interesting, you know, and I, I thought it was an interesting arc, you know, in terms of like comedy, you know, you read stories on how people make it. A lot of them take the route that you're going, you know, in terms of stand up and, you know, they translate it to movies a TV series, um, you know, and they take it to that next level. Um, you got the Eddie Murphy model. A lot of comedians went through the, the Saturday Night Live, you know, route, which we talked about, you know, episodes ago about how that's not really a big thing anymore, you know, how it's not you know, or the, or the talk show radio, uh, talk show, late night talk show, where you'd go on like a Jimmy Fallon or a Carson show, and all of a sudden, you, your career would blow up. And like you mentioned, that's completely changed, too. So it was just interesting. And, and like I said, it just took me off guard watching it, you know, but I tell you what, you know, on a, on, on a side note, you know, watching that show in its entirety this week, you know, down North Carolina, you know, my downtime, the show held up pretty well, Mike. I mean, 15, 20 years later, the skits, still pretty freaking hysterical man
1: yeah i mean yeah they had a lot of like uh social commentary in the, in the uh, the sketches they did on the show so a lot of times that stuff does hold up i mean i know they were talking about um some i was just watching something on youtube where they were talking about a lot of times political satire comedy whatever you want to call
0: doesn't, it it does stand
1: up some of it does And like you said, some of it, you know, like, you know, someone does a Richard Nixon joke 45 years ago. Nobody really gives a shit, you know, and you You, watch now. You you know
0: what I really, you know what I really like? I like these comedians and it doesn't really matter what race or creed or sexuality they are. As long as they goof on everybody equally, I'm cool with them. And, you know, that stuff that Chappelle did 15 years ago, like like the scene like uh, the one where he's talking about like you know how different races uh, and and cultures react to music differently, you know the white people they listen to rock and roll and it's like they go crazy and they're breaking. Oh yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah. what the jo- John or, Mayer yeah
0: right right well like you know loud Spanish gibberish and you know the Spanish people doing the merengue in the background or you know black people like drums and it just you know he goofed on everybody to the point where it was comedy and he was poking fun at people but he was doing it equally to the point where. You couldn't sit back and say, "Oh, this guy's a racist," or "This guy is—he's picking on these type of people," or "He's picking on these—you know, this this culture or whatever." You know, it, it was cool. It, it really was cool. Um, on a different note, you know, with Chappelle, I just read the—I uh, read Netflix, which, you know, maybe we'll get into the economy in a little bit. But uh, the stock of Netflix has gotten hammered. It's gone from like four or five hundred dollars a share down to two hundred dollars a share. You know, if you're in the stock market right now, it's not a really great time to be in, you know, with the way the economy is going, with interest rates and gas prices and food prices and all this other bullshit. But um, it was interesting. I saw an article that highlighted an internal memo from Netflix. And I guess it was in response to what happened with, I guess, cancel culture coming after Chappelle maybe about three or four months ago when he, you know, he took aim at the transgender community. And basically what Netflix said, he goes, listen, you know, everybody's got the right to their own viewpoint. You know, some of the entertainers that we put on Netflix, you know, the reality it is they bring a lot of money for, you know, the platform. And if you don't feel comfortable working for this platform, maybe you're working at the wrong place. And I guess, you know, a lot of people quit Netflix recently, you know, in the last couple of months, you know, because they don't want to be a part of, you know, I guess some of the stuff that was out there. And I guess what, you know, the CEO and the people that put out this internal memo at Netflix would were trying to say was, you know, like you've mentioned, you know, we're a private company, you know, there's going to be a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different shows that bring a lot of revenue in for the platform. And if, you know, you feel uncomfortable, you know, you might be in the wrong spot. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So it seems like Chappelle survived the cancel, cancel culture and, uh, you know, down here in North Carolina, uh <laughs> You know, it was pretty interesting just going back and watching that show. But, um, you know, I was driving down on Monday and I, I, you know, just going back to the economy for a second. I just can't believe, you know, it's usually when you come down south, Mike, you know, maybe, you know, when you went to Virginia, maybe you noticed it. Usually when you go past like the Mason-Dixon line, you know, gas prices tend to drop down a little bit. Maybe see a 30, 40 percent, you know, 30, 40 cent, you know, decrease. You didn't, I didn't see it this time. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like 445 down here in Charlotte, you know, 415, Virginia, West Virginia. You know, I took a different route this time. I took down, uh, I cut across Pennsylvania, went down 81 to 78 and down to 77. And usually that weighs a lot more rural and stuff. And, you know, things are cheaper. You know, you go into like a convenience store and what runs you two or three bucks in, in New York is all of a sudden a buck down there. You know, kind of like when we used to go down south, with the scouts, you know, you get a can of Coke for like 75 cents down there and it's a buck and a quarter up here. I didn't see that down here, man. I, you know, the pricing, it hasn't been adjusted, which is a little bit scary. You know, it seems like the stuff that we're seeing up in New York, you know, and it's just really affecting a lot, a lot bigger portions of the country. So...
1: Yeah, well, they say inflation's the- affecting everybody. So, I'm um, you know, I'm sure... Yeah, like I was down virginia in february and like you said i mean I, I really didn't pay attention to the gas prices that much um i know my wife and daughters did shopping while we were down there and i think they did save a little bit like they usually go close shopping when they're down there um they did say i i know they usually save a few bucks but i don't think it was as big as it usually is but like you That's said right. I, I mean inf- inflation's creeping in so Unfortunately, it is what it is right now when it comes to that. So,
0: well, it's eight and a half percent, which is historic highs. Well, it's not historic, but it's 40 years highs. And uh, it really stems from gasoline. You know, I mean, Pat St. Pat brought up a point, you know, I guess maybe a year and a half ago, you know, kind of talking supply and demand. And when you talk about markets and stocks and stuff and energy markets, there's a couple of things that affect it. Stocks and energy markets are very similar in a lot of veins in the sense that. You have traditional supply and demand. And then you have something, you know, a lot of this stuff is news related, you know, meaning it reacts to news. Like you have a stock and, you know, all of a sudden you get bad earnings, the stock plummets, or it gets great earnings or new product, the stock flies. Well, with energy, you know, whether it be gas or oil, it's kind of similar in the sense you got the basic supply and demand, like Pat said, you know, more people on the road, more people are driving. So it drove up gas prices. But you also got administration that has basically declared, you know, war on the energy, you know, markets in the sense that they want people to move towards green stuff. You know, they want people to move towards, you know, electric cars and, and solar stuff, which is fine and well. But the reality of it is, is the energy markets react to that stuff. And then last thing is the production of oil. You know, so you got domestic oil production, which you know has come to a screeching halt on under the, the current president. And then you got OPEC, and then you got Russia you know, and the shit that went on with Russia hasn't helped, you know, it's probably added another buck to gasoline prices, but when you put all those things, you know, combined, you know, it's a recipe for disaster and that stuff seeps into every element of society, you know, you know, all of a sudden costs more to, you know, transport a good All of a sudden it costs more to go see your parents or, you know, take a vacation, you know, it well, translates there, was, yeah, to the good, there was just a whole thing. You know?
1: Um, what did they show? Uh, they uh they did a news story down on uh, uh, businesses at the jersey shore and they said they were preparing for a very lean summer because of the yeah. gas prices they said a lot of people are going to have to make the choice between traveling on vacation or you know paying bills uh people are going to pay pay bills because they can't afford the gas price to go uh drive down to the jersey it. drive down to yeah. the jersey shore for a week vacation so
0: that's right and I now, just, and now you got to think yeah, think of those people don't go on vacation, those businesses uh-huh. get less uh, less uh-huh. amount of money. It trickles down. You know, even even driving down here. So you make the you you make a rational decision. Do I fly to North Carolina or fly to Virginia? Or do I hop in my car with my family and you know, save a little bit of money? Obviously save some money. But here's the deal. On a 20 on a 20 gallon tank, Mike, I gotta fill up two, three times. I'm looking uh-huh. at minimum, minimum 150 bucks one way, you know, to get down here you know, in terms of gasoline. Now, granted, it's still a heck of a lot cheaper than flying four people down on an airplane. But, you know, the point is, it's getting a little tricky, man. And I just don't, you know, less last piece is you got interest rates, which is still creeping up. And interest rates have been at historic lows for the last two and a half years. And, you know, when, 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 when the amount of, what it costs to borrow money is cheap like that, you know, and all of a sudden, you get inflation because people have more about buying power. Again, that was augmented by all the money that we got from the stimulus stuff, maybe two years ago, or a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, eventually what happens is the fed turns around and they raise interest rates, which is where we're going now. And we're still pretty low when it comes to interest rates. So there's going to be more pain ahead, you know, in terms of, you know, the benchmark is probably about 4% right now. It was probably at 2% a year and a half ago. And, uh, Last time something like this happened was like in the mid '90s. You know, something called you know for the stock market, Wall Street crowd out there, was something called irrational exuberance. And uh, and the uh, the Fed chairman at the at, at that time, Alan Greenspan, had made that comment. And basically, it was a comment in saying that you know the economy was overheated, and the way that they kind of bring it down and bring inflation down or curb inflation is by rising interest rates. So again, when you go for the loan, when you go for the mortgage, when you go for any sort of barn, you're your credit card interest rates that works in tandem. So you got a lot of stuff that's working against us right now. And I think it's going to be real real year. I'll tell you what, if you got some money right now and you're a Wall Street, you know, if you're an investor, it's probably a good time to buy some stocks on the cheap, especially the good companies. You know, there's probably some deals out there, but you know, I know a lot of the stuff that I bought last year, you know, I'm still big on crypto, but that's taken a beating along with a lot of other stuff as well. So, we'll see We'll see. Um, different topic. I didn't catch the winning season finale. Did you, uh, the Lakers series?
1: Yeah, I saw it. It wasn't bad. Of it? I, I, you know, it was a typical, like, uh, if you've been following the show, it, ha- you know, it's a typical episode where it's highs and lows, um, it puts a bow on the season, basically. Um, I think next year, the, uh, the guy playing Larry Bird is definitely going to have a bigger uh, role in it, probably. So. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, but yeah, it wasn't bad. I didn't think it was uh, it was that bad of a, a season. It was a good show and uh, what what's recall. Yeah, we'll see how it goes next season. Obvious. I'm sure the ratings are good for it um or whatever i don't even know how they judge it now with shows like this but uh i'm sure it's going to be probably two to three seasons out of it depending unless someone gets uh someone gets canceled out of it somehow or someone files a lawsuit against the show for whatever
0: yeah no i agree mike you know i haven't caught it because you know obviously i'm down here so my fire stick the fire stick that i brought here you know it, what a reason it, it's very finicky about what allow, allows me to play, I guess, doesn't recognize my Wi Fi network, you know, so I can't get on certain things here down here. But when I get back and forth, I'll watch it. But, um, I like the, I like the series, so I'm, I'm pretty interested. I'm sure it'll come back for season two. Um, I've been watching a lot of cult classics, I think we brought this up off, off air. So this week, I think I watched what two to three culture cult classics from the 80s. I watched Macho, Macho out there. Uh, I rewatched The Warriors. I watched The uh, Breakfast Club, which, uh, um, you know, is a cult classic from the 80s. Um, and lastly, uh, what, what else did I say? There was another one as well. Uh, I forgot. Um, but uh, make a long story short, you know, I've been. Uh, you know, I've been watching like this stuff on my free time here, you know, as far as like these these cult classic movies and stuff. But um, I think we we're going to bring up uh, cult classic. What are your cult classic uh, movie favorites, Mike?
1: Um, you go Dr. Strangelove, I think. yep, Falls into that cult classic. Uh, what's the uh, the one horror movie? Sleepaway Camp. Remember Sleepaway Camp? It was like this disturbing yeah. movie and it's got the real freaky ending. Um, Warriors, obviously a cult classic.
0: Um, there are a couple others that I, I, I didn't get a chance. They live which we've talked about, right? Yeah, they li-
1: I just I wonder if like they live because most a lot of times when people say like cult classic, usually the movie doesn't make money. I de- I, I would definitely put they live in there. They Live is so good. I'm surprised they haven't found another wrestler yet to like try and remake that movie. You know, Can like, they, gra- reboot
0: it yeah, like reboot. grab
1: like John Cena and just reboot that whole movie.
0: Reboot it or do a sequel? Which one?
1: I wouldn't do a No, I'd probably just reboot it. Just a reboot. You could probably I do a, a, a nice reboot yeah. on it. Like I said, like a guy like John Cena or the other, whoever, just grab a wrestler. I mean that that is one of the best wrestler doing a movie movies around. I thought he was great yeah, in that no. movie. I mean he he did a ton of shit movies after that. Roddy Piper, like a lot of straight to video flicks that probably you and I have never seen, but that yeah, yeah, yeah. was was great. That's a great. Well, the
0: Rock, one. Rock has had a cut a couple now. Seen uh, Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the
1: both of those guys. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're gonna use somebody, use like one of those guys or. Who else is another big name like uh, Roman Reigns, Randy Horton? Like guys like that. Grab one of them and reboot that movie. But I don't I don't think Vince McMahon owns it either. I think it's a Wes Craven movie or I John. No, right. John. No, John Carpenter. I think John, John Carp- Carpenter, John Carpenter okay. did okay. it. So I don't think McMahon had anything to do with the flick. So
0: there's there's been a couple other cult uh, cult classic uh, uh, fan, uh, favorites of mine. Uh, I think we brought them out. Pulp Fact Pulp Fiction Reservoir Dogs. Uh, we've gone, you know over Quentin Tarantino stuff. Uh, slap shots, another one, the hockey one. You know, yeah, Slap the, shots uh, a
1: great, great right great movie.
0: Um, what's the hockey one with uh, Swayze and um, what's his face? Uh, Rob Lowe.
1: Young Blood. Young Blood. Is Young Blood a know. cult classic though?
0: I don't know. I think it's more of like a sports movie. Would you classify Teen Wolf as a, as a cult classic?
1: No, because I I always think cult classic is a movie that didn't do well in the box office. And then like it came out on video or HBO and then people just went nuts for it. Like almost like Austin Powers. The first one is almost like a cult classic because when it came out in the theaters, it did not do that well, but it went to video and everyone was like, you got to watch this movie if you haven't seen it yet. And it became, you know, a phenomenon and it spawned two other movies. And I'm sure if they tell Mike Myers, do another one, I'm sure he'll bang out another one.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree. Would you classify the Blues Brothers?
1: Again, if if it made, if it made, it's a great movie. kind of I
0: mean, we obviously, yeah. we obviously love it, but I don't think it really did too well at the box office. So. Yeah,
1: that's the other thing. I don't know what the actual box office was on it, but I mean, those guys too were like huge super, huh? I mean, it could like uh, okay the same thing. Is Caddyshack considered a cult? I don't think so. It's a huge
0: no, no, no. That's a huge. Animal House
1: ha- is Animal House, but Animal House made a ton of money too.
0: Ton of money, ton of money. Uh, I would uh, probably say uh, like Revenge of the Nerds. That would probably be considered more of a cult classic, right?
1: Yeah, I don't Rocky, think that
0: uh, Rocky Rocky Horror. Uh, Picture yeah, Rocky Show, Horror, right? Horror
1: Picture Show is probably the top of the heap. I mean, right. in the sense that probably still to this day, you can go to like a midnight showing somewhere. Right. And watch that movie. And people were going always like dressed up as characters and everything else. So,
0: you know, the one that I like a lot is the one with Diane Lane and Harry uh, and William Defoe, the Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire is uh,
1: definitely a cult classic. All right. Here's an, here's another Michael Paré. Eddie and the Cruisers.
0: Eddie and the Cruisers is absolute cult classic. Definitely right? a
1: cult right. classic because that was like a nothing movie. And then it got to video when everyone was like, holy shit, go watch this movie.
0: And I think we talked about this at one point as well. Walter Hill was the guy that wrote 48 Hours, who also made Streets of Fire. Oh, okay. and, and, and check it out. He's also behind The Warriors. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, that he directed The
1: Warriors, it. right?
0: That's right. That's right. So I didn't, I didn't realize that until I'm watching the credits from the warriors. And there's a guy on Twitter, I guess he, he tweeted me like one of his friends is actually one of the gang members from the warriors, the guy with curly hair. Um, I guess he's got like a scene in the beginning of the movie. I think he gets killed. I think he's the guy that like looks at the guy that, you know, um, kills Cyrus and then he gets mobbed, not the black dude, the other guy with the curly hair and stuff. Uh-huh. But um, I, I saw that. I saw that in the, um, in the credits, I'm like, wow, Walter Hill, that's the guy behind Streets of Fire in 48 Hours. And uh, it kind of makes sense, you know, like the similarities, you know, the train scenes and stuff, the gritty New York area, you know, Streets of Fire kind of bounces back and forth between the 50s and the 80s. And you you never really get a, you know, real solid, you know, grasp on, you know, what the time period is. But that was was definitely pretty interesting. I think we also wanted to get into, Mike, what is the... Uh, what's the greatest cameo in a movie by a movie superstar or a TV uh, series for that matter? I think we were talking about that as well. Right. Or what's the best surprise cameo in, in a movie or a
1: series? Well, let's hold that thought and we'll pick it up in one minute. Okay. Okay. We're back for part two of the show. We've been having some, technical issues the last few weeks but we're back um we finished off we're talking about like best cult movies and stuff now we're talking about best cameos in movies and chris has a whole bunch i got a few myself uh i'll let chris start it off and we'll just go back and forth off each other
0: Best cameos in uh movies i'm like uh you know, me and Mike were talking about this off the other day. Uh, there's a couple of there's there's a couple of really good ones. I think the one that I started off with uh, with Mike was we were talking about Huey e. Lewis and Back to the Future. Classic. Uh, you know, as far as there's been a lot of them that we we kind of went over off screen. Um, that comes to mind. Um, there were a couple of good ones. There's some obscure ones that uh, I guess happened in you know. Maybe 25, 30 years ago, Mike. Um, I think you brought up a couple of them. I think uh, David Bowie and Zoolander was an important one.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was a, out of nowhere a cameo, pretty good.
0: You got Brett Favre in uh, something called Mary, right? Uh, something about Mary. Um, you've got, uh, I guess, in TV shows, like we talked a little bit about, I don't know if it was more of like um, actors versus characters. And you had Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One, and then you had uh, Skywalker at the end of uh, the Mandalorian,
1: right? Yeah, definitely. Un... I don't think you picked up on either one of those watching that. No, so I, I was like, they were great surprises. I mean, the 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 Vader scene at the end of Rogue One, and then what it leads into, is one of the best scenes in Star Wars movies in the last like twenty five years, basically. I, I think anyway, Rogue One to me is one of the most underrated ones because it's not in the canon. It's a Star Wars story cut. It's not in the, the sequence. It's considered the Star Wars story. It, it, it really was one of the best, best movies they put out the last few years.
0: I, I got to be honest with you, Mike. I we've talked about it at some point. I think that outside of maybe Empire Strikes Back, it's probably my favorite Star Wars. I mean, to be honest yeah, it you.
1: really it really was a surprise movie. When you watched it, you were like, ah, I wasn't expecting that much. But man, like, it, I mean, it, it's true, though, it all built up to that ending. And it was awesome. I actually have a Star Wars related cameo that I just thought of. Uh, we go back to 1980, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie called Apocalypse Now and the beginning of the movie, Harrison Ford does a cameo giving Mar- given Martin Sheen his orders. To go kill Kurtz. Now, great pickup. Now, the best part about this is a great trivia question. What is Harrison Ford's character's name in the movie? And it's a super uh, inside. It's an inside baseball joke, basically. And if you look at his uniform, it says the name.
0: I thought he was named after a director. To be honest, my father my father was close with Harrison Ford when he lived in the building and stuff. So he's he definitely brought that up to me. And I knew he was in Apocalypse Now. Um, I'm just trying to think of the baseball player. I thought it was a director that he was named after. But uh, nope. you're right. It's You're right. It's right after his, um, it's right on his uniform. Um, you know, I'm drawing a blank. I'm going to have to Google search it. I mean, it's I definitely a, it's know it's, the it's answer.
1: It's a ground ball, George Lucas.
0: That's what
1: I thought. Yeah, so was, he, yeah, yeah. They said that was the inside joke of the thing. George Lucas, um, mm-hmm. another one of my uh, favorite cameos. He's got two of them. Is Mike Myers? I love him in Bohemian Rhapsody, as okay. the record exact, because he makes a Wayne's World reference in it, which is hilarious. Right, right. And I love him in Inglorious Bastards, as the uh, the general or whatever he was when he gives a uh, Fassbender's character. Uh, the lowdown of working with the bastards, as they're known.
0: I'm a huge fan of that uh, that movie, Inglorious Bastards. I've watched it; um, a little far fetched for me. I mean, it was entertaining, but no, I, I thought I thought the cameo piece is really good. Um, I think we brought up Frank Oz, right? You know, um, yeah, Frank Oz up- has
1: been in a whole bunch of like John Landis movies, The Blues Brothers,
0: stuff, right? Yep, showed up in The Blues Brothers. He showed up in. Um, in trading places, trading right?
1: Place. Yeah, he's always a cop, too. It seems like they threw him in a cop and like the Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers 2000 and uh Trading Places.
0: And you Great. said he was he was, you said he was friends with the director, right?
1: Yeah. Him and John Landis, I think, have worked together, They're friends. I mean, Frank Oz has directed his own bunch of movies as well. I mean, what did he mm-hmm. do? What's his big one? I, I think Frank Oz directed Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't he behind the Muppets, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, he he was. Fucking Grover, on, like the Muppets and a whole bunch of other, you know, he was the voice of Yoda. Right. right? right yeah, you know, right, yeah, yeah, he yeah, helped yeah. create Yoda. Um, Yeah, he was behind. Yeah. Frank Oz behind the Muppets. Um, It was him and Jim. Well, it was Jim Henson's idea. I think he was considered like the head puppeteer, but he helped create all those characters, a bunch of the characters that you saw on like Sesame Street as a kid. Uh, What else did they do? The Dark Crystal? I think Frank Oz directed The Dark Crystal, too, which was just oh, all such, pop.
0: Oh, such a horrible movie, man.
1: <laughs> That's such an 80s throwback, that movie. And it's it's back on like stars or something. And I'll watch it. I give it like a 10 minute window. Every-
0: so, so bad. I, 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 I remember the comic, the comic books were there. Uh, oh, what, yeah. What,
1: it had It had all that commercial crossover stuff. Like the the movie came out, then it was like the comic book, the dolls, all that crap. I think they even did a a cartoon version of it. But uh, yeah, it was just a bad. Yeah, I think the movie made like not a lot of money, but it was known. But the movie was supposed to be known because it was like there wasn't one human actor in it. It was just all puppets and whatever else the hell they used. Brutal, brutal watch
0: Mm -hmm. something else. Something else comes to mind. Never ending story. No, no, no real good cameos in there, but just the uh, same time period. And just such a dreadful
1: movie. <laughs> well, I think the never ending story holds more because I've heard people younger than us talk about the never ending story, but I've never you heard them it, right? that. have seen it. Yeah. But they've never seen like dark. They, they have no idea what Dark Crystal is. OK, So I, I definitely because because never ending story also had a sequel. I think we were like old. Uh, I think it was like five or six years after the original. Yeah, like the late, Oh, We never. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, I tell you what, really looks good, Mike. Is the uh, the Obi wan uh, the Obi One series? I mean, I, I caught the I caught the teaser trailer of it, which looks phenomenal. And I'm reading a lot of stuff where like looks like we're going to get a, you know, looks like we're going to get that sequel. You know, as far as the uh, the, the rematch, you know, between Vader and and, Ken- and Kenobi, and it looks like he's going to be. Uh, I guess hunted down. They're gonna be hunting Skywalker and the kids, you know, um and stuff that looks yeah, really
1: good. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming most of the backstory is like you didn't see you know, we don't know what happens when Luke grew up out there on on Tatooine. Right. You know, was it just fucking what's his face? Was it just Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. just killing fucking stormtroopers and fighting Darth Vader like once a week because they were looking for this kid? I mean, I, 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 I'm thinking a, that's going to be along the storylines. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm thinking we're, we're we're in that kind of air, that that area of where they knew where he was. I mean, okay, let's go full tinfoil hat conspiracy theory kind of. We all know the Star Wars canon. If Vader's one of the strongest Jedi's, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then he's going to know where people that have the Force in them are at all times. So he knows where his kids are then. Right. I think he's got an idea of it. You, you know, know what I'm um, saying? So but, but I read I read they've got like some sort
0: of bounty hunters looking after him or, or trying to find him. And I think that um, they're called the Inquisitors. And I guess if you watch like some of like the cartoon stuff, you know, the animated Star Wars stuff.
1: Yeah, like yeah Wars. That, that's what I've heard. Yeah. They introduce those characters where we have no idea who they are unless you watch exactly Clone Wars. And uh, some of
0: it, some of it I watched, I mean, I'm a little bit of a Star Wars nerd. I'm not like, a I never, arm, you know? yeah,
1: I never did Clone Wars. I never got into it. And one of the guys I used to work with told me, he's like, you're missing out. You're missing out. Let's get it on.
0: It's good. It's good. It's just, you know, it's all animated. And after a while, you know, listen, there was a lot of storylines. Um, uh, I guess the bad batch or whatever the hell was that that was another season. Yes, yes, yeah. series. That, that was pretty good. Um, but, you know, you know, for me, Mike, you know, once you get past like the main characters and, and the Skywalkers and theater, it becomes really tough for me to follow. Like it was tough for me. Like I like the Mandalorian and stuff, but like the, uh, the Boba Fett series, it, it wore it wore on me after a while. It's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it's like some of the storylines just so off the beaten path of the main Star Wars saga It was, it was very difficult for me to, to follow that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it does. If you're not. Yeah. Like you said, if it's not pulling at the old sentimental heartstrings you kind of like i i, I don't care about general grievous you know yeah he's just introduced, yeah. or, or, or whoever else you know whatever now, vice character. For, uh,
0: and, and vice versa you know for me like you know rogue one was kind of like off the beaten path i mean it kind of tied it in on some level towards the end but a lot of that was characters that weren't really associated with the skywalkers which i was cool with you know because it kind of tied in You know, um, when you stop going off the beaten path with some of these characters and these storylines gets real, it it gets real tough. Even like the new sequel and stuff. um, You know, it was difficult, you know, when they started focusing in, you know, like on the Rays and, you know, I guess the, uh, uh, I don't even remember the guy's name, Finn. or the other guy, Poe or whatever the hell. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it was just like, listen, we're trying to get another. The right. kids, another group, another generation to get into this. And like you said, I, I could care less about really those characters because I, I was already invested in it. it. They were good enough as it was. Ray, Finn and uh, uh, who's the other guy? Adam Driver's character. And it was OK. You know, I was, you know, okay. we, we, we were already hooked to begin with. So it really didn't matter by that point. We just wanted Not to see good. it. You wanted to see it come to some kind of conclusion. That's what we were really looking for. So
0: completely, completely agree. Going back to the cameos for a second. You know, I, I think I mentioned to you off there, Bob Barker and
1: um, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, By he's a nice little Bob. Sh- oh, but speaking of Star Wars, Daniel Craig 007, he plays yeah. a stormtrooper, plays stormtrooper. Yeah,
0: I don't even remember where. I mean, how do you know it's him? I mean, did, did he take his hat off? No, they, it off?
1: I think it's just his Yeah, you know, it's, it's him in the suit and his voice. I think he said yeah. something. He has like two lines and that's it. But um, one of my other favorite cameos that we talked about, too, was uh, I like Schwarzenegger and The Rock in uh, the rundown. When Schwarzenegger walks by The Rock in the beginning of the rundown, it's one of the coolest scenes ever. Lou Ferrigno,
0: Lou Ferrigno and the Hawks, right? Yeah, Lou Ferrigno showing
1: up and usually with Stan Lee in those cameo roles. Um, you can even go to The Rock. I like The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in the beginning of the mo- the other guy's movie. I thought yeah, they were, we're hilarious. Good. That you know, it's a great little scene. You didn't expect them to be in the movie. Uh, yeah. So How
0: about uh I can feel it coming in the air tonight, <laughs> tonight. Tyson and Hangover. Yeah, Tyson and hangover. hangover.
1: Who thought he was showing up? Yeah, another guy. <laughs>
0: uh tom cruise in tropic thunder right? yeah great scene uh,
1: great yeah uh
0: will will ferrell at the end of wedding crashes oh, yep. right uh, how good was that um three stooges in it right right the <laughs> meatloaf. <laughs> such a great scene man still goof on that that show 20 years later very underrated um i mean Maybe we'll have to have Macho on one day and go over the rules of uh wedding crash. the 106 uh, rules, or whatever the <laughs> hell there is. <laughs> uh, the Three Stooges and the It's a Mad, Mad World. Um, I remember watching that years ago. Um, I'm just trying to remember the, uh, I think Jack Benny was in there, Don Knotts. Gary yeah, there was
1: all like those old like vaudeville timey comedians, all just like pop their heads in in that movie. It's such a surprise. That's another movie. They haven't decided, like, how do we remake this? You know, this there's there's a, there's a few movies like that where it's like, oh, this is so easy to remake. Why haven't we? Why haven't we? And with CGI, you can, you know, have all these crazy stunt scenes like they had in that movie and it'll cost them nothing, basically.
0: Would you consider like uh, like I'm a big uh, I'm, I know you are too to an extent. Would you consider like guys like Bella Lugosi or uh, Lon Chaney, you know, who showed up in the uh, the old Abbott movies? Do you think that would be like a surprise cameo
1: or just no? Because I, I think frantic? they had them in like playing the like people. I think people knew they were showing up in those movies,
0: gotcha, gotcha. playing
1: those characters. But I mean, okay. oh, you know, it's a funny one. Bob Hope in Spies Like Us. When he pops into mm. event and it just he's in the movie for 10 seconds. Bob Hope. <laughs> Bob Hope. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. T- a, how, I about mean, how, about, how about TV series? As far as I mean, TV's harder <laughs> for the cameos. Um, but like guys just showing up. I mean, Friends had a whole bunch. And I think that was because like, well, at one time, Jennifer Aniston was married to Brad Pitt. He shows up on the show You had Paul Rudd on that show, Tom Selleck. Uh, Bruce Willis shows up on that show. You had a lot of big, big stars on that show. That show to me. Oh, that's that one the, of the uh, that's one of the biggest ones in recent times. I mean, you could even go back to like old Seinfeld's. A lot of his girlfriends. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say the Seinfeld's, uh, you know, the gay street talks. You mentioned uh the guy with the glasses was John B, which I didn't know, right? Yeah. Um, you know, a young Heisenberg showed up. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not so sure he was a surprise guest or anything, but no, he was a nobody.
1: Yeah. yeah. Brian Cranston yeah. as uh oh what the hell was his name on the show? Oh uh I'm blanking. Oh man, I can't believe yeah, he's an anti dentite. And yeah, then Jerry I I... Jerry has to go to like confession. And he's like telling everybody, and he's like, "No, I'm. A, are you offended as a Jewish person? No, I'm offended as a comedian. <laughs> he's taking the a, jokes. Yeah, he's doing all the Jewish jokes. I think he converted <laughs> just for the jokes. Oh, Tim Watley, right? Watley, Tim Watley,
0: yeah, Tim Watley, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Which, for
0: some reason, I always like uh, equate him with like Rick Astley for for a reason, the early 90s, saying, never going to give you love, never going to live. Yeah,
1: he kind of had that. Yeah, he had the hair. He had that, you know, right. he was clean shaven back then. Which, by the way,
0: I don't know if anybody out there, you know, that watches the show, I think Brian does, Brian, Michael's brother who put me onto it. You know, I guess they made a joke about how that song has become like a cult cult like status in, in the UK. Never gonna give you up. Oh apparently yeah. There was, apparently there's there's like a whole episode of Ted Lasso that I saw where I guess the uh, the owner's father passes away, and I guess you know she's very melancholy, and you know they make a goof about that song. You know, it's like never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. Mm. Good, good karaoke song, by the way, too. Mm. But uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, Ted. Um, I watched him. I think we talked about this. Yeah, he did it. He did a uh, he did that song with the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters brought him out of the concert. I think they were in England, either England or maybe California. And I bet they did you It's that song. And I they bet
0: you It's that song. Yeah. Oh,
1: no, they did like a punk rock version, basically. of never going to give you up. And he right. just came uh, out and the, the crowd went ballistic when he walked on that stage Dude, so, It's it,
0: it, it, you know, it's a big thing over in the UK and you know, when I do my karaoke, you know, I can tell you there's there's been people, especially maybe what maybe come Halloween, we'll try to get him on the show. But the owner of Katie's, he, he throws a great karaoke on Main Street in Smithtown, which is where I, I used to go a lot. And I, without fail, there was at least one or two people that used to do Never Gonna Give You Up, you know, without fail, like each week, you know, very popular song. Um, did he show? How about
1: 90210 wasn't there a couple of like uh um, um, cameos to 902? Um, I was never a big 90210 guy,
0: neither was I. But you know, I you know, growing up, we I did don't, in the late eighties. you know what they probably did away from
1: it. I'll say they did just because that was like uh, what's his face, Aaron Spelling, he was a mm-hmm. fucking powerful dude. I could definitely see him getting like some big stars here and there. And I think that show, I'm sure, too, if you if we deep dived it quick, you could probably go through a list of people who were nobodies on that 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 first start on that show and then made it down the road somewhere, you know, because he had that he had that show going. Then what was it? Melrose Place, too. I mean, I mean, Aaron Spelling had a shitload of hit shows in the 70s, so. Okay. 70s 80s and then the 90s with uh 90210 he had like the most expensive house at one time in Hollywood he had like a hundred million dollar house and like okay. he, and then he put his daughter on TV
0: can you hear me okay Mike
1: yeah you're fine okay cool I got you I got you right. I got you um but yeah I mean I'm trying to think too who else is a great cat oh um uh, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. There's a scene with him without makeup in the restaurant. There's a restaurant scene, and you see like his profile quick in a scene. That was like a little joke by, uh, what's his face? Christopher Nolan. Um, Was it Cameron Diaz? I didn't know this when we were, I looked it up when we were talking about best cameos. Cameron Diaz is in the movie Minority Report. Okay. You see like half her face when they're on like a subway train scene, I think it's when he gets found out and he's just trying to escape from everybody. Tom Cruise is uh, like she gets uh, he gets on the train and you see like Cameron Diaz's face from like the nose up. And she's sitting next to what's uh, Cameron Crowe, the director. Who? What did he direct him? Uh, Jerry Maguire. I think he directed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's tons. I mean, getting moving on. We were just talking, like you didn't see the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, right? No, it's out on Amazon. I think it's been it's been out for like over a year, maybe two years. I mean, talk about cameos! Everybody's in that. Look, Chris is doing a cameo right now with Mariano Rivera on his screen. <laughs> it's a cameo. You can um, hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, but, but I mean that right that movie is all about the cameo. It is just uh, he just like everyone that he's had in movies over the years, except well, except Bruce Willis really uh, is in it because him and Bruce Willis were not getting along. They had a uh, supposedly uh, Kevin Smith used to go on like his speaking tours and someone brought up Bruce Willis and cop out. And Kevin Smith goes on this whole tear about it, saying, don't ever work with your heroes. Now, he considered he considered Bruce's hero. He was from Jersey. He, you know, they're both from New Jersey. He he loved Bruce Willis. He loved Moonlighting. He loved Die Hard. He loved all his movies. And then he finally got to work with him because Bruce Willis reached out to him like me and you got to do a movie sometime. And he goes, I couldn't believe it. John McClane wants to do a movie with me, man. And he mm-hmm. goes, I got to where and he said he just hated the experience like like Bruce Willis. He felt kind of like phoned in his whole performance in the movie. And they just didn't get along. The movie bombed cop out, I think, was a huge bomb for both of them. And uh, they never worked together ever again. And they they kind of just like parted ways. But I think he came out recently, Kevin Smith, and just wanted to show. So because Bruce Willis came out with that diagnosis, he's got like not Alzheimer's. Yeah. What is it? Aphasia? And he came out.
0: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it it sounds like the same
1: thing. Sounds like uh, the same thing. He came out and, uh, you know, gave his love and support for Bruce and buried the hatchet, I guess, with him.
0: I'll give you you two more TV series. Going back to 90210, I'm pretty sure that um, the Goo Goo Dolls ended up on 90210. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'll throw you a throwback from the 70s. I'm pretty sure Billy D. Williams appeared on Good Times.
1: Hey now, um, as what? Do you have any clue as to that?
0: I, I, I Is think as, any- as, as 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 himself. If I'm not mistaken. No,
1: I know he did a. Je- I think he did a Jeffersons. Was it? I, we'll, uh, listen, I'm getting to the bottom. I don't listen. I was a big Good Times fan. I don't ever remember Billy D. being on I remember Billy D. Williams though being on the Jeffersons because what's her face? Marla Gibbs, Florence, the maid, was in love with Billy D. Williams and he shows up as like uh, as Billy D. Williams and she doesn't believe he's Billy D. Williams.
0: So let me ask the audience this for those over the age of forty, are you people, you know, if we had to take an informal poll, would have been what's happening or good times? Which which do you prefer? How about What's
1: you, Mike? Or, oh man. I liked good times. I mean, man, that's a, such a tough one. It's a
0: tough one, man. Roger, rerun, no, no, Roger. I mean, no, no, rerun, no, right.
1: Raj, rerun rerun, rerun. Dwayne. Dwayne, right? Uh, oh, little sister D, Mama. Mama, I can't right? breathe. Shirley. Right. Oh man. And then you got good
0: times, you got JJ, you got Michael, yeah. you, you got Thelma James. Right. You know, uh, uh, John Amos. Right. Uh, Flo. um, kind of tough, man. I mean, I, I'm partial to good times. I think it's got the better song.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Bookman who passed away recently.
1: Yeah. Bookman. You know Did you know Bookman was more of like a comedian? I didn't. He was on like laughing. And J.J. does those awful freaking, I guess,
0: reverse mortgage uh, commercials or whatever the hell he's doing these days.
1: He was, well, he was one of the first guys. They called it like the, the Jimmy, what was it Jimmy, Gabe, and Freddie syndrome of stand-up comedy. Hmm. And um, right at that time in the 70s, he got the show. Um, he got Good Times. Freddie Prince got that show, Chico and the Man. And Gabe Kaplan became Mr. Carter. And. What happened was those guys were all comedians for a few years. Well, I think Gabe Kaplan was a comedian, the longest out of the three of them. And they had like really brief careers. And then their careers kind of like fizzled out after that. And how about
0: Horshack? Horshack?
1: (laughs) Horshack is dead.
0: No, I know he's dead, but I'm saying, was he uh, was he a stand up comedian as well?
1: No. OK, I don't I don't see any Billy D Williams on Good Times. But yeah, the, like those three guys were considered how quick. Like remember, we talked about uh, yeah, we talked about this with The Tonight Show, how quick your career could change. Those were like three guys, how their careers changed overnight, where they all did a Tonight Show appearance. And then within less than a year, they were on a hit TV series. Okay, and one of the things with those guys with uh, Jimmy Walker, at least he. uh, He wasn't supposed to be the star of the show, but his he was like the breakout comedy star. Okay, and John, that's why John Amos actually left the show. He wanted to be like John Amos. I mean, we talked about this too. John Amos was promised basically to be like the Black Archie Bunker, he was going to be Mr. Social Commentary, yeah, he was going to be the lead character, he was right? going to be the voice and the character of the show, and it just didn't happen. And like I said, Jimmy Walker became that dude, and that's why he left. So, hmm, interesting. Um. Where else? What else we got? Oh, with Jane. Oh, yeah. We talked about, yeah, Jane Silent Bob. He, he kind of has every he calls in every favor he had. Basically, Kevin Smith to make this movie and he has everyone. I mean, like Affleck shows up with it. Uh, Day, I think Damon's in it a ton of Marvel characters, people who've been in the Marvel movie. Chris Hemsworth shows up as Thor. It's a pretty good movie. If you're okay. into it, you know, if you're into Jane Silent Bob, you're going to love the movie.
0: I definitely got to check it out. I didn't, I didn't realize there was a sequel. I know you brought it up to me. And I think, um, and I
1: think he's starting a clerks three soon or something. Clerks. I think the
0: best part of clerks for me was the, uh, the whole scene about the dead star. And I guess those.
1: Yeah. Working on know, the Death star.
0: Working on the Death star being like the equivalent of, I guess, like the people from like uh, Oklahoma city, you know, the federal workers that got killed in the Oklahoma city bombing. Yeah. It's collateral damage. It was an interesting book, I think, by uh, either Chuck Klosterman or somebody along those lines that broke it down. And, you know, he brought it up as a pretty interesting point, you know, a pretty you know interesting analogy, you know, to make at the time. I think that movie was made like in 97, at least the original yeah. one. And Oklahoma City, I guess, happened in 94. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah.
1: I think it might have been even earlier Clutch. maybe like 95, 96.
0: You might be right. It, it, might be it, right.
1: I, he made that movie by maxing out like five credit cards. He took cash advances on a whole bunch of credit cards and just made the movie. Kevin Smith. Yeah, I think he like he. I think he put himself like fifty or sixty thousand dollars in debt. Like the movie no, made for nothing. He shopped it around, and then you know who helped him? You know what made the, you know who made that movie? That movie or distributed that movie? Harvey Weinstein. Interesting.
0: I thought it was Affleck and Damon.
1: No, they he signs on with those guys later. But I think it was Harvey Weinstein's company, whatever I forget the name of it, whatever it was. New Line, New Line, they did it. They they uh, distributed the movie.
0: Going back to cameos for a second, Uh, what's a face appears in Dogma? Uh, Alanis Morissette. Yeah, Alanis Morissette's God at the end
1: of the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. He's made so many.
1: He's made some good stuff. Dogma, I think, is a great movie. It's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a trippy road picture.
0: Wait, 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 you know, we're missing one of the best cameos of all time. My main man, Otis in the Animal House. Otis Night in the Pips.
1: Otis Night in the Pips. Oh,
0: whatever. Uh, Otis, Otis Night in, uh... in the... Otis Day in the Night.
1: Otis Day in the Nights.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't a <laughs> singer. That's not a cameo. I don't... You, you oh, don't... He would... He wasn't a singer. He became you never heard this guy's like life story? <laughs> he was like an actor and they were just like can you sing and they made the band up Oldest Day in the Night. He but- he couldn't get any parts really after that. He basically formed Oldest Day in the Night after he after the movie, he he capitalized on it and changed his name, I think legally to like Otis Day, and then tours <laughs> the country is Otis Day in the nights. His real name is Dwayne Jesse. He was an actor. He was in DC Cab. Oh, he, that was a great movie. He was in DC Cab as one of the cab drivers, um, but he
0: I mean, oh, he yes.
1: he realized like. Uh, I got to make money. And he capitalized, changed his name to Otis Day, probably hired four dudes that could play instruments and then just toured the country as Otis Day in the night. Supposedly he did tons and tons of college shows and kids loved them.
0: Of course, he was great. I mean, he uh, he did, a, I guess, a takeoff of Shout, you know, which was mm-hmm. an Isley Brothers song, which uh, it's interesting. There's there's a couple of versions of, Ode, uh, of Shout. You know, there's the Isley Brothers version and there's another version. And uh, I guess there's a version from Animal House know uh, the DJs out there all know what it, what the hell I'm talking about. And if you play different different ones, um, yeah, you may get like a different take on the song. But no, I, I hear you. Um,
1: <laughs> Otis,
0: my main man, Otis.
1: Wait he till Otis said, sees us. He loves us.
0: <laughs> he loves us. <laughs>
1: we are gonna die. <laughs>
0: Not something you can joke about these days in 2022, folks. Uh, get you canceled. But uh, that's for another episode. What do you think? Uh, I guess another shooting today up in Buffalo. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: It's great. 10 so, people dead.
0: You know, again, I'm sorry that anybody lost their lives, but I can't stand up politici- for the politics of it all. You know, it just seems like the guy's a white supremacist, obviously, in this case. He killed, he, I guess he traveled to a heavily black area in in, in, uh, in Buffalo. He shot 13 people, 11 of which I think were African-American, two people, you know, two guys or two people white. And, um, you know, again, the focus is all on the guy's color of his skin. And, you know, he was radicalized and all this other nonsense versus people actually lost their lives, you know. And whether they're white or black, whoever the hell they are, it just sucks, man, that people lose their lives. And, you know, it just... The, the, the first thing out of anybody's mouth, at least when it comes to the TV and media, is the color of the, the shooter's skin. Oh, you know, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a black guy. Oh, see, we told you so. Or it's a white guy. Oh, see, we told you so. He's a radical white supremacist, blah, 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 blah. And it, it just, you know, it just, it just sucks, you know, that these people, you know, anybody loses their lives in this bullshit. And it's just like they kind of get lost in, I guess, the culture wars today. Uh, just horrible stuff.
1: Yeah, like yeah. as they, well, as they say in the press, man, the media says it. if it bleeds, it leads. And, you know, if there's any little extra they can if there's any little more mustard they can put on the ball. That's what they're going to do, mm-hmm. man. You know, I mean, yeah, like yeah. you said, it, 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 it's terrible. That this fucking idiot just decided to go out and just killed supposedly live stream. I mean, the guy's a piece of shit and I hope he gets hopefully he's murdered in jail. But uh, at least they got the guy. I mean, it would have been better if they could have just probably killed him, save everyone a lot of time and uh, effort with a trial. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And uh, like you said, I mean, this is the world we live in. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, no, I agree. So, Mike. I, you agree. Know, I, I just I just oh. feel bad for the the uh, the families. You feel bad for the families right now. That's it and uh yeah no No, i agree with you i guess with that we'll wrap it up do some plugs
0: wrap it up the Chappelle show man great device
1: wrap it up (laughs) b i'll
0: hit a couple plugs in a second or two but i think i think the wrap it up box was hysterical watching the Chappelle show this week and the uh the the court stenographer that kind of plays back everything that the other person says in the room and then uh yeah, I guess he had a, a dwarf in a backpack, and he's like, Read it back. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, if I had to, I would bang Ben Affleck. See, I told you, you're so gay. <laughs> and the guy's like, Dwarf. You stupid dwarf. <laughs> 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 you stupid dwarf. <laughs> Dude, he got away with a lot of stuff, man. But um, yeah, again, that's for another episode. So thanks, folks, for sticking with us this week. Uh, me and Mike had a lot of technical difficulties. Hopefully, uh, next week we'll get to the bottom of all these these shenanigans. Oh. Um, got the usual plugs for me. You got DJ www.chrisclash. C- um, the day of the taping, I actually had my uh, my niece's uh, uh, graduation, which went you know multiple hours. So I'm kind of uh, worn down here. It went very well. Happy graduation to my niece.
1: Congratulations. Uh,
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank her. uh, The rest of the life. Uh, We got, let's see, Tommy Devitt, uh, Mad Donkey on 36th Avenue. Uh, That's going to be in 36th Avenue in Astoria, Queens. We've got uh, five star uh, shopping by Tommy. uh, 917-559-8264. We've got Celtic Monkey down in uh, where I am now. Uh, well, I guess Mike's on the coast. Mike Powell from the back. Uh, he's got the uh, Celtic Monkey. We've got Jay Cristiano, a Cardinal Financial. Uh, use the promo code 4215 and call him at 844 442 7334 for free, uh, refinances and your purchasing needs. Uh, Jay works quick and efficient. We've got Pierre.